Fun and Fortune, ABC, June 6, 1949. The Will, CBS, January 8, 2005. South of Sunset, CBS, October 27, 1993. Secret Talents of the Stars, CBS, April 8, 2008. Coed Fever, CBS, February 4, 1979. Who's Who's, CBS, June 25, 1951. Public Morals, CBS, October 30, 1996. Lawless, Fox, March 22, 1997. These are the fallen, the one-shots, the television equivalent of a fart, something that smells for a few minutes and then disappears forever, a TV show that airs just one episode, a lifespan of 30 to 60 minutes, one shot at being seen on a screen, one chance to charm America, one brief shining moment riding the airwaves, and then yanked from the schedule faster than you can say, tune in next week, not. Maybe it happens because no one is watching. Maybe it happens because it's so tasteless that network affiliates refuse to run it. Maybe it happens because it's just a bad idea. Ah, just kidding. Bad ideas are successful on TV all the time. At any rate, there is a special place in TV history reserved for shows that only last for one episode. And that place is here on this podcast. Here are their stories. Their pathetic stories of massive, embarrassing failure. I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck thing. Potluck, potluck. The potluck is going really great. A potluck. Seriously. Seriously. This is the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. Thanks for coming to the potluck. I'm David Inman. Friday, January 20th, 1961 was an historic day in a couple of ways. For one, it marked the inauguration of President John F. Kennedy. You, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. I, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. That you will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of your For another, it marked the return of Jackie Gleason to network television. Gleason starred in a popular variety series for much of the 1950s, but he hadn't been on the air regularly in two years, and his return to the tube was in a kind of program he'd never done before, a game show called You're in the Picture. 
Gleason explained it to the audience. It's a very simple game, and as soon as I explain it to you, I know you'll catch on immediately. We roll out some pictures. The panelists put their heads into holes that have been cut into the pictures. Now, they can't see what the picture is because we have a little collar under their chin. They try to guess what the content of the picture is or what they portray in the picture. Now, if they should guess a picture, we send 100 care packages in their name. If they should miss a picture, we send 100 care packages in my name. <laughs> Everybody wins, nobody loses. Gleason was famous for avoiding rehearsal, so hosting a game show would seem to suit him. You show up and tell other people what to do. The only problem was that, even with Gleason as a host, you were in the picture was boring and dumb. On Inauguration Day 1961, new President John F. Kennedy famously said, the torch has been passed to a new generation. The torch that was your in the picture barely lasted half an hour before America peed all over it. On the following Friday, Jackie Gleason walked out and addressed the audience directly. Last week we did a show called You're in the Picture that laid <laughs> without a doubt the biggest bomb I'm telling you, friends, that I've seen bombs in my day. <laughs> Jackie Gleason knew enough about PR to know that facing the music and apologizing to America would endear him to the audience. After that, he kicked off a kind of informal talk show to fill the next couple of weeks, and You Were in the Picture was never spoken of again, unless Gleason himself made a joke about it. Not all one-episode shows are as notorious as you're in the picture, and they aren't confined to the 1960s or 70s. Consider Emily's Reasons Why Not, a sitcom that began its run on ABC on January 9th, 2006, and ended its run on January 9th, 2006. Emily's Reasons Why Not starred Heather Graham as a young professional woman looking for love in New York City. There was a strong resemblance to another hit show of the time, Sex in the City, but much tamer since it was on a commercial network. Supposedly, ABC executives committed to the show without seeing a pilot, and after seeing the first episode, ABC's programming chief compared the show to a baby with a full diaper, saying, quote, It was not going to get better, and we needed a quick change. In the summer of 1978, the hottest movie in America was National Lampoon's Animal House, a rowdy, raunchy comedy set at a rowdy, raunchy fraternity house in the early 1960s. It was made for $3 million and returned a profit of $140 million, and it made a movie star of John Belushi. All three commercial TV networks, this was in the days before Fox, wanted a sitcom version of Animal House, the race was on to see which show would premiere first, and the winner was Delta House, which premiered on January 18, 1979. 
Delta House was the official TV version of Animal House. It was produced by the same guys who produced the movie, and several minor cast members repeated their roles. There was also a female character named The Bombshell, and the part went to a young actress named Michelle Pfeiffer, who pretty much hated every minute of it. Three days later came NBC's entry called Brothers and Sisters. The cast included Jack Lemmon's son Chris and Bing Crosby's daughter Mary, who also played Kristen, the woman who would go on to shoot J.R. on Dallas. Neither Brothers and Sisters nor Delta House was exactly a hit. In fact, most people barely knew the shows were on the air. This became apparent when Mary Crosby appeared on Hollywood Squares to promote Brothers and Sisters and chatted with MC Peter Marshall. Mary, uh, your, uh, your series is called Brothers and Sisters, and it's on another network. What, what nights are you on, dear? It's on Friday, NBC. Oh, it's on NBC. Well, it could be another network by the time this is shown. <laughs> After that? It's on NBC. That's probably why I didn't know about it. <laughs> but on February 4th, 1979, an Animal House ripoff premiered with much more fanfare. It was called Co-Ed Fever, and it aired on CBS. The setting was Brewster House, a dormitory on the campus of a woman's college that had only recently turned co-ed. The cast included David Keith and Heather Thomas, who would go on to play Jody on the ABC series The Fall Guy, opposite Lee Majors in the 1980s. CBS executives premiered Coed Fever in the perfect time slot, immediately following the first network showing of Rocky. The thinking was that the huge Rocky audience would flow right into co-ed fever and America would fall in love with the kids of Brewster House. But this apparently was the day that America discovered the channel changer because with each passing moment, thousands of viewers deserted co-ed fever. Rocky turned out to be the number one show of the week, but co-ed fever was in 19th place. Now, that number isn't bad on its own, but without its powerful lead-in, the show would have been much lower on the charts, and CBS executives knew it. So, Coed Fever was 86th. But fret not. The five remaining episodes did air in Canada, and the Brewster House set showed up again as the dorm at Eastland School during the first season of the NBC sitcom The Facts of Life. In 1969, one of the biggest shows on TV was Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. It was a non-stop hour of fast-moving sight gags, slightly dirty jokes, and catchphrases like look that up in your Funkin' Wagnalls or you bet your bippy. All I can say is that it seemed funny at the time. The producer of Laugh-In approached ABC and offered to do a show for them that would be a whole lot like Laugh-In, fast, risque, irreverent. The Bristol-Myers Company signed on as sponsor, and on February 5th, 1969, Turn On, as it was called, premiered on ABC. To be honest, Turn On really wasn't a whole lot different than Laugh-In, but for some reason, certain bits stood out as extraordinarily tasteless. For instance, in one quick sketch, a buxom woman stands before a firing squad. The commander of the squad approaches her and says, this may seem unusual, madam, but in this case, the firing squad has a last request. One ABC affiliate in Ohio 
decided to perform its own cancellation. It pulled the plug on Turn On just about 10 minutes into the show. Tim Conway was the guest host of the first and only episode. Here he is. We did the show. Uh, it came on on a Tuesday night, I think, or something like that. It aired first in New York, and we had a uh, opening party out here at a hotel, and we were waiting for the reviews. As it came across the country, it was being canceled. <laughs> it got canceled in New York, and when it got to Ohio, they shut it off after 15 minutes. I mean, they didn't even let it go the whole half hour. So, like, yeah, the station manager called and said, get that off. I mean, a guy who plays an organ in case the station blows up hadn't played in 20 years. <laughs> um, and it, it came, by the time it got to California, it was, it was off. So we had a, uh, the uh, coming out party and the cancellation party, very economical, because it was all in one evening, <laughs> and psh, gone. After the disaster of Turn On, ABC programmers grew gun-shy. They put the kibosh on any program development that was seen as too controversial. And one of the shows they walked away from was a sitcom that had been under development called All in the Family. When ABC passed on it, producers Bud Yorkin and Norman Lear took it to CBS, where it became, of course, one of the major TV hits of the 1970s. As we said in the intro, there can be many reasons why a show runs just once. In the case of South of Sunset, Southern California wildfires had something to do with it. The fires hit the Malibu area in the fall of 1993, and on October 27th, every TV station in LA was covering the destruction live. October 27th, 1993 was also the day that South of Sunset premiered on CBS, everywhere except in LA. It was a detective series with Glenn Fry, co-founder of The Eagles, as a former security chief at a movie studio who became a private eye. The series had been heavily hyped during the World Series, and CBS was expecting big numbers for the show. They didn't materialize, and rather than give the series one more shot, South of Sunset sank into the... Sunset. Another detective series that had the same fate on Fox four years later was called Lawless. It starred ex-NFL linebacker Brian the Boz Bosworth as John Lawless, an ex-Special Forces operative who started a private eye business in Miami South Beach. Bosworth's promising football career had ended abruptly after a 1989 game where Bosworth unwisely insulted New England Patriots fullback Bo Jackson, and Jackson responded on the field by pretty much running over Bosworth on the way to a touchdown. The TV series didn't last, but Bosworth still makes movies. Our final entry in our look at one episode, Belly Ups, is a one-of-a-kind show that seemed to dare network executives not to cancel it after one episode. Hile honey. Hile honey. Hile honey. Hile honey. Hello. I'm home. Hile honey. Smile honey. Because I'm home. Gee, it's great to be top gun, but it's nothing like the fun that I get when I say hile honey. I am home. Hile honey. Smile honey. Gee, it's great to be back. Hile honey, I'm home. To be honest, the British sitcom Hile Honey, I'm Home 
was hardly seen by anyone. The only network that would even come near it was a satellite channel called Galaxy, which aired only one episode in 1990. Heil Honey, I'm Home looks at the domestic life of Adolf Hitler and Ava Braun, who is a couple or a notch or two above Fred and Ethel Mertz of I Love Lucy. Adolf is trying to run the war while dealing with his irritating Jewish neighbors, all in cutesy 1950s sitcom fashion. It is possible to make fun of Nazis successfully, of course. May I direct your attention to the work of one Mr. Mel Brooks? So the real sin of Heil Honey, I'm Home isn't that it's tasteless, it's that it's pathetically unfunny, as if the people behind it thought that all they had to do was come up with an outrageous concept. Heil Honey, I'm Home has almost 800,000 views on YouTube. You really have to wonder how many people made it through the first five minutes before bailing out, not because they were offended, but because they fell asleep. Thanks to sites like YouTube, some one-episode TV series will never really ever go away. We can go online and once again relive their brief lifespans and remember what it was like for those few shining moments when they lit up the TV screens in front of our face. You are in the picture, CBS, January 20th, 1961. Breaking Boston, A&E, March 13th, 2014. Emily's Reasons Why Not, ABC, January 9th, 2006. Osborne's Reloaded, Fox, March 31st, 2009. Turn on ABC, February 5th, 1969. Amen. My name's David Inman. Thanks for coming to the potluck. See you later. So